peace is on the list. I want to talk about peace. Well, I said amen to it first, but then I was like, well, shoot. Usually, when you ask the Lord to help you with something or to give you something or to show you something or to teach you something or to let you teach people, he's going to put you into some situations where you have to learn how to find that thing. I didn't think about that in advance. I didn't think about it all the way out. But, you know, it doesn't matter. Whichever topic I would have chosen would have been the same thing. So it's just like, you know, when people ask for patience, you know what's going to happen. God's going to put you in situations to test you. Because, I mean, even in the Bible, when the disciples asked God questions, what does this mean? What does that mean? Can you explain this? He didn't explain it. He did not give them the answer. What did he do? He gave them a riddle or a parable, or he showed them a situation. He talked about it to let them figure it out on your own. Nothing different today. We're the same way, right? We want to know about something. God's like, all right, let me show you. Let me show you the way you need to really find out, right? So that's what I'm going to be talking about today, peace and peace. Where is peace? And I hope that what I'm going to share with you resonates with you all, is understood well, and that I don't rush through it. Amen. As I began attempting to get my message together and what I wanted to say, um, I remember specifically one day, actually, I was taking a walk, just exercising, walking. And on that particular day, I had a lot of things on my mind. I was like, Lord, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? I had a friend of mine passed away. This is all during this time, okay? A friend of mine passed away. Um, I had some issues I had to deal with on my job that made me a little uneasy. And a few other things, some financial things that I was uneasy about. And so on this day, I was walking and talking. I want to say talking to the Lord, but really, you know, sometimes you're just talking to yourself. And I was talking to myself like, man, what about this? And what about that? And how do I do this? And how are we going to do that? And when I shut up, the Holy Spirit said, Shamika, be quiet. You're not, you know, you're looking for peace, but you're not going to find peace because peace is not lost. That's what he told me. He said, peace is not lost. The problem is you are drifting away from where peace is. Okay, I'm going to explain that to you. That's what he said. He said, very clear, peace is not lost. When God talks to me sometimes, you know, it's funny. We all hear God in our own way. And on that particular day, he talked to me just like I'm talking to you like, like I fussed at my kids. He fussed at me like, girl, stop. Peace isn't lost. You're looking in the wrong places for your peace. All right? So let's find out where it is. Peace is a still thing. It says you simply need to drift back towards peace. It's not something you can go after and find. It's something that you enjoy when you stay close to the Father. You remain more peaceful when you remember who the source of your life is, and you experience it more when you experience more of God. All right? So what exactly is peace? You know, I like to define things. What does it mean to remain as close to peace as possible? So the dictionary tells us multiple um, definitions, but for this particular lesson. It is a state of tranquility or quiet. It is freedom from uneasiness or oppressive thoughts or oppressive emotions. Freedom from those things. It is relief. It is satisfaction. It is harmony. And it is freedom from disturbance or agitation. So when I looked that up, I was like, wow, well, I definitely wasn't walking in that. I was very disturbed. I was very concerned about some things. I was agitated. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? What am I? I, 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 right? You're a child of God. You should always have to focus on I. What am I going to do? There's a lot of things that you can't do because you shouldn't depend on yourself to do all those things. And we always have to remember that. 
But we're human, right? We live in the flesh. We live in flesh. We wake up with it. We go to sleep with it. A lot of times, that's the first thing on our minds, even though, you know, we should focus more on God being the first thing on our mind. Even before you step out of bed, thank you, Lord, for waking me up. What am I going to do today? How am I going to do it? How do you want me to do it? Where do you want me to go? Et cetera, right? So that's, that's a practice. That's something that we should work on. In the Old Testament, peace was found through having and maintaining a right relationship with God. There were laws, and you either adhered to them or you didn't adhere to them, and there was strict punishment, right? God of the Old Testament was like, no joke. You did something wrong. He's like, oh, punishment immediately. It's over, and you might die, right? So <laughs> peace could be found, but if you didn't follow his precepts, it's like, oh, you know, they always think about it you know, off with their head. God, God did those things. He was like, punisher, 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 peace, but you're not listening, so therefore, you know. In the New Testament, thank the Lord, having peace with God came through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we can still experience peace. In Romans 5, 1, it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, Christ came and made the ultimate sacrifice for us so that God would be more gracious with us, right? Instead of immediate punishment, it's like, all right, uh, because of you, Jesus, I'm going to give them time to repent and let them rethink what they're doing, you know, to a certain degree. There's still going to be punishment, and you still can't forget what you need to do. You need to go and repent. However, there's some mercy. There's some grace. Some mercy and some grace that might not have been Back when Moses was alive, right? All right, so thank God for Jesus Christ, all right? <laughs> so, in other words, in order to have the peace that we always seem to look for, then you must know Jesus Christ, all right? Let's talk about knowing Jesus Christ. How many of you have been in church most of your life? Half your life. Um, even, even if you haven't, right? Everybody understands church or what church is about or what church maybe you think church should be about, what you want church to be. A lot of people don't know what church should look like for them, and that's really important, too. But um, throughout church and growing up, um, we're not just talking about knowing who is God, you know, what the book says, who God is, who Jesus is, who all these people are. But what does he mean to you at some point? in your growth, in your relationship with God, you get to know who he really is. It's just like having a relationship with a person. Oh, I know who uh, Danny is. I met Danny years ago. I knew him as a person, but over the years, I really got to know him. I spent time with him. I talked to him. You know, we wrote letters. We emailed. Whatever you do to get to know a person, you spend time with them. That is how you get to know. So that's the same thing with God. You know, he's not so far away from us you know, he's, he's right here. He's not so far away from us that we can't know him like we know each other. That's how he wants us to feel about knowing him, all right? If we had relationships with God the way he wants us to, then we would experience more personal peace more often. So what are some things that prevent us from having such a close and personal relationship? I started thinking about uh, different people that I know and different people's churches' experiences. Everybody has a story about a church experience, right? And then there are those who have been in church all their lives, and they don't have stories because they keep them on the inside, and they don't move, and they sit in that same church all their life, and they don't get what they need because they feel like, oh, I'm here. I'm supposed to be here. I'm supposed to go to church. My mama took me to church. I'm not leaving. I'm good. 
but they don't understand that maybe they're not so good. But these are some things that I came up with, some reasons that we might not be as close to God as we would like to be. No one ever took the time to explain or teach what it means to be in a relationship with God. We do not study on our own to find out. A lot of people go to churches, listen to what's being told to them, don't do any research and studying on their own. That's a dangerous thing, right? Especially if you don't know the pastor very well, you don't know um, the integrity of the people that you're listening to, etc. So we assume that when we go to church that the pastor is right, right? Right with God, telling us the right thing, not going to lead us in the wrong direction. But in the world we live in right now, we all know that those things happen, right? So if you're not studied on your own and you're not working on getting to know God yourself, they can tell you anything and you're going to believe it, right? And they're going to lead you astray. Another reason, we make our relationship with God an afterthought rather than forethought. So we get into the troubles and we get into the cares and things and then we say, oh, but God, I need you. You know, After we've already gone through the motions and tried to figure things out and tried to do things on our own. Okay, God, can you help me now? Instead of, okay, God, I have this situation. I need you to tell me what to do about it. Forethought. We don't think we're worthy of God lending that type of intimacy to us, and therefore we avoid it. We think we have sinned so greatly that we are embarrassed to talk to God, and we don't believe he fully forgives. We have one eye out in the world, and we have the other on the word of God. Because your eye that's in the world if you're kind of halfway in and halfway out, that's, that's going to draw you. It's going to draw you strongly, right? Your eye out in the world. What does the world say? Well, when you have a problem, oh, read this book. Oh, go talk to that person now. This is not to negate any medical issues or any mental problems, all of those things that, you know, sometimes people really do need additional help with. God anointed those people to help us too, right? But God first, because God can help us immediately. You know, he can help us without the help of anyone else if he chooses to, all right? So we need to understand that we can have that type of relationship with him. Um, we don't understand the feelings of true love, of true, a true loving relationship, and therefore we find it strange to be in a true loving relationship with God. God is our first father, right? But uh, a lot of times people are born into situations or raised in situations where they don't understand uh, true love, familial love, fatherly or motherly love, sibling love. Some people are, you know, in the system and they are adopted or they're not. And they grow up in the system and they're just out in the world. Nobody gave them pure, pure love. And so they don't feel like God can take over that, um, that missing area in their life, right? People don't know that if, if they're not taught that, if not shown that. We were only ever taught about God the judge, and we were never made familiar with God the comforter, God the provider, God the victorious one, the prince of peace, the redeemer, the healer, and so on. Sometimes church is kind of pounded into you. Go to church, do what you're told, don't sin, you're going to hell. And that's all the church that you get, and you're scared, and God is this thing that you're scared of, and don't talk to people a certain way, don't look people in the eye. Everything is, you got to be humble, 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 humble. There's no boldness allowed. There's no talking allowed. There's no stepping up, because God is the judge. You better do what he says. But God is so much more than that. 
And for anybody that's out there teaching those things, you need to repent. I'm just saying. Because God is so much more than the punisher. You should never, when you hear God, you know, he doesn't want, he wants us to fear him, have reverence for him, but not be afraid of who he is because he's so much more than for us to just be fearful of, right? So to know God means you have to spend time with him. There's no relationship that you can have that will thrive if you choose to ignore it. And that is any relationship that you have. So why do people show up for church? Why do you come to church, right? Why do people go to church, more importantly, and still feel burdened and unsettled about everything in their lives, right? Are you going to a place where you're not being taught how to let things go, how to give it to God? And, you know, we hear, you know, give it to God, leave it on altar, do this, do that. People don't believe it because they, they probably heard it either in the wrong setting or nobody went a step further and said, well, what does that mean, give it to God? Or what does that mean, I don't have to worry about it anymore? People don't teach you that God really will lift your burdens. I know because I have experienced it, right? And sometimes that's the thing. Sometimes people don't know because they didn't realize what the experience was or they just call it a coincidence, right? Or they just say, oh, somebody blessed me. But maybe they're not spiritual enough to think that, hey, God heard what you were asking for and he sent that person to bless you, right? God lifted that burden off of you. God removed it while you were sleeping. God knew what was gonna happen. But you just didn't know that God loved you like that, that he would actually hear about what you had to say and go do the work, right? All right. So when church is done right, people should be able to find freedom in it and through it. People should feel like this at at least the one place they can come to be free, transparent. You can be real. You should not be criticized by anyone, and you should be in fellowship with them. You should not be looked down upon. You should not be worried about being talked about or rejected. Because the love of God should be the standard. So what I'm talking about is those things that I said should not happen to you. Those things should not happen to you in church. Okay. And those things happen to people in church, which is why people, um, a great reason why people can't feel the love of God. Because it's not being shown through his people who are supposed to be his people. Who are supposed to be reflecting his love. where you felt like people were just looking at you funny because they didn't know who you were, right? Or you sat in the wrong seat, and that's such and such a seat, so you need to move, right? Or you tried to join a new church, and you wanted to become a part of it. Well, you can't because you got to do this, 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 and that. You got to cross all your uh, T's and dot all your I's and this and this and that, and you got to pray this way, and you got to get the Holy Spirit first, and you got to speak in tongues. A lot of those things happen, and it's a turnoff, right? Does it say in the Bible you got to do all that before you participate in the church? No, people need to go back to what the Word says, and the Word of God doesn't say that anywhere. You have to do that, da, 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 da. No, all you have to do is, you know, accept the Lord into your heart, right? And he'll do the rest for you, right? So that's what her, uh, happens, and people end up church hopping because they're looking for something. They're not finding it. They're not finding love. Um, they're seeking the best crowd, the biggest crowd, the most beautiful building, looking for the best choir, looking for opportunities to lead. They're lead-seeking, Right? But those seeking what it truly means to be in God's presence, along with fellow Christ seekers, are looking for the love of God. They're looking for the love of God. So you can have all those other things that are for show what the world deems as great and greatness, right? But if the love of God is not flowing through the people there, then you're always going to feel like something's missing. And that is why people go from church to church to church, right? They look at me right, and or, you know, sometimes you got your own problems. But 
If that's not the case, sometimes the people can make it make you feel unwelcome because they don't purely have the love of God the way that they need to be showing the love of God to other people, right? So many have stopped making it a priority because they have been disappointed because someone has set standards differently than how God set the standards, right? People make up their own rules, have nothing to do with church. We all need to go back and read about the church of Acts where they all had all things in common, right? They followed what God told them to do, not, oh, let's do this. Well, let's try that. Mm -mm. If it's not broke, you don't fix it. And nothing about God's church is broke if you do it the way he tells you to do it. So this is not to criticize the ideas of man because he gives us ideas, right? But if you feel like you have to constantly change your church concepts in order to get people to show up and to stay there, then your atmosphere is lacking the greatest thing required, and that is the true love of God. Because that's what people really need. When people come in here, they already know. Even if you've never met me, when people come in here, they speak to me or they speak to uh, Mr. Tony or anybody else really in this building, nobody's going to make them feel rejected. Nobody. Even people in here who are not considered leaders, right? Nobody in this building, I, from, from my experience, has ever made anybody feel like, who are you? We don't know you. We're a tight-knit family, so you got to work your way in. Has anybody experienced that in here? No, because we don't do that. Because what we learn, right, we know it already. But we also learn it through our pastor. Love of God is the most important thing going on in here, right? And we don't play otherwise. We don't play that other stuff. You got to look a certain way. You got to have a certain uh, job. You got to know this person. You got to be able to do this for us. It's not about that at all. So when true love of God is there, it flows through all of your people. People find what they're looking for, right? And people can't even always explain it. They just come and they leave feeling like, man, I got what I needed. Well, what did you need? Um, I'm not even sure what I went in there for, but I feel better, right? Because pure love does that. Even if you cannot pinpoint what the actual issue might have been, the love of God covers all of those things, right? It says love covers a multitude of sin. So you just feel better. When you show God, when you show true love in God's way, people can't help but to hover around it. It's just like um, social media, right? If you're scroller, if you're a scroller, you like uh, Instagram, Facebook, and you're scrolling, you're just liking pictures. You're liking pictures, right? You're usually liking pictures. Now, some people actually stop and read the caption, but it's kind of it's kind of like a comparison to church. You're scrolling, you're looking, you're trying to find what looks good on the outside, what looks good on the surface. You're like, oh, I like this place, so oh, I like that place, right? But deep down, even in that post on Instagram, you know, somebody might have a pretty smiling picture. You didn't read the caption, but you liked it. But the caption says, uh-huh, they thought I was going to be nice at work today, but I had to show them. Right? It's a pretty smiling face, but you didn't read the caption. You know, it wasn't meant to, ooh, look at me. I'm beautiful. I'm happy, whatever. Or I'm in a bad mood, but I'm going to smile to cover it up. But you liked it, right? You didn't even go deeper into the surface to see what was really going. And sometimes that's what people do uh, going into church. Um, A.Z. Tozer says in his book, The Crucified Life, when you do not have anything real inside of you, you try to get something on the outside that suggests that something is real. So it is a well-known fact that when the fire goes out in the furnace, they paint the outside to make it look as if the fire is still there. So he said that about uh, people now who say that they're Christians, but they're not living a crucified life. They're not really in meditation with God. They're not really focusing on the love of God. They're just doing church as usual because that's easy. That's easy to do. All right. But we all know that emptiness and what it feels like. We all know what it feels like when the fire has gone out of something, just like in any other relationship. 
But our relationship with God, we cannot deny it. We can't hide from it. We cannot fail to nurture it and expect it to thrive. We cannot depend on someone else to build that relationship up for us. So I want my relationship with God to be a strong relationship, right? Um, I know that in order for me to be at peace, then I need to have God in my life, right? Because Shamika can sometimes be a worry wart. And I admit that, and I know that um, I get anxious. <laughs> I get a little anxiety, not to the point of medication or anything like that, but I'm like, man, what about this? I, I, I'm a thinker. I overthink. You know, um, I try to fix things on my own because a lot of women do that, I think. I don't know about men, but women do that. We want to fix everything because we know how it should be, and if you just let me do what I said and it's going to be the right way, then let me do it. Just let me do it, right? That's what we do. It's okay that we feel strong and that we feel like we can manage things. However, that's not our job, right? <laughs> our job is, you know, God, thank you, God, for making me a strong person. Thank you for making me want to be a person that can fix things. Thank you for giving me a mind to be able to think of the process of making things right. But also, thank you for being in control of my life because I really don't know what I'm doing all the time and I'm going to mess something up, right? All right? You know, we, we're indecisive. Well, all of us are indecisive. Some of y'all in here some powerhouses. I'd be like, ooh, I want to be like that because she makes good decisions and she does this and she does that. And people appear to us to be in control of their entire lives, right? I ain't gonna call no names out because I don't wanna embarrass nobody, but I look at certain people, I'm like, man, she's really got it together. And you know, and she's probably like, man, I need somebody to help me with this because I'm doing too much, you know? So what we see in another person might not be what it really is. And people compliment me on things sometimes and I'm like, my face is like, for real? You know, I'm like, thank you. And, and inside I'm like, but you don't know what I had to do to get that done. Or, you don't know how nervous I was when I did that, or I didn't even think it was that good, right? That's how we feel about ourselves, <laughs> right, Danny? That's how we feel about ourselves, right? But, you know, God shows the best part of you when he's using you to bless other people, right? He doesn't put your flaws out front because he doesn't want you to be embarrassed. He's using you for his purposes. He's going to put your best you out front, and that's what he does, and I'm grateful for that because I historically am a shy person. People don't believe me when I say that, but I've always been shy. And it is what it is. But I'm like, you know, everything that God has gifted me with puts me in front of people. I can't be shy. I'm shy, and he makes me. I'm a teacher. I'm a speaker. I'm a preacher. I'm a singer. I can't be shy and do any of those things. If I'm going to be shy and live behind that, then I'll never do anything that I'm supposed to do. Right? So thank God for the boldness or whatever it is that causes us to continue to do what he wants us to do. Right? Because we can be a hot mess, like people say. God is sensible, he's reasonable, he's compassionate, he's fatherly, he's motherly, he's rebuking, he's caring, and he's wise. We know these things because the Bible tells us so, but we believe them because we experience them on our own, right? We experience all those things in God. We can read about it all day, but when you experience it, it's a whole different kind of feeling, and it's a whole different thought. When you read it again and you see it, it's like, man, yes, God did that for me. And I can be a testimony to what that word right there says, because that happened to me, and I know it to be true. It's just like um, when we choose to be close with other humans, right? We're constantly, learn constantly learning something new about them 
and therefore we understand them differently, right? It's like, man, you learn something new every day. People say that kind of stuff. But it's true. I mean, even with God, when you work on your relationship with God and you want your relationship to flourish, God is going to reveal new things about himself to you. When you read the Bible again, how many of you read the Bible through? All the way through. How many of you have ever read the Bible, Bible all the way through or just about, right? But every time you go back and read it, just because you finish, that's not a book that you finish and you put it on the shelf and you never read again. The Bible is that one book that you're always going to go back to. So when you go back to it, you can be like, man, I read this before and I missed that. Or when I read that before, I didn't understand it. Or you were in a different place in your life when you read it the last time. But now you're reading it today because this is what I want to show you today. This is what you need for this week, right? So every time with God gets better. Every time with God gets deeper when you continue to devote yourself and your time to him. Now, David, I want to point out from the Bible, David. And um, I thought about a lot of other characters that... Uh, I could use, but David is like through and through in the Bible from the time he's a youth to the time he's a king, all the way through all his wisdom and all his folly and all the crazy things he did and all the wonderful things he did and the hiding and the praising and all of the things that David did, right? David knew God and had a very close relationship with him. And if you read the books that David wrote, you can tell that he had a close relationship with God. It's like God was in the room with him sometimes based on the things that he said. He was so honest in his dealings with God. He talked to and sang to God like God was his best friend, sometimes his father, sometimes his protector. Sometimes he spoke to God in a frustrated tone. He fussed with God. Sometimes he spoke to him like he was the love of his life. He understood God was all those things and more. Uh, David did a lot of things right, but he also got into a lot of trouble. Yet he always and constantly experienced the peace of God because he stayed close to God because God knew David was doing some things that was just dumb, right? God knows that we're going to do some things that just don't make sense. <laughs> We've all done things that don't make sense, and we probably do something else that doesn't make sense, and God was like, all right, go ahead and do it, and then come back and tell me about it, because that's what we do. Like, all right, Lord, I know that wasn't the right thing for you to do. In Psalm 29, this is one thing he wrote. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and, uh, glory and strength. Ascribe simply means attribute to or, you know, attribute these things to God. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders and the Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives peace to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. This was the Psalm of David as well. Because if you go through the Psalms, you'll notice it's broken down into sections. There's praises. Um, there's him asking for help. I don't want to name them incorrectly, but it's like four different phases in which he writes. And this is what's him just giving glory to God. So further in Psalm, Psalm 119, um, he says, great peace have those who love your law and nothing can make them stumble. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I wait for your salvation, Lord, and I follow your commands. I obey your statutes for I love them greatly. I obey your precepts and your statutes for all my ways are known to you. 
the way that David glorified God, God wants us to glorify him as well, right? You might not be a poet or a songwriter or anything like that, but the way it comes out of your mouth is, is wonderful to God, however you decide to acknowledge, right? It shouldn't be uh, that we have a taboo relationship with him and we only pull it out when we're alone or on Sunday when we come to church. It should be something that's always in your heart, always at the top of your mind, all the time. When, when you have a, a relationship with God that you continue to work on, God always pops up in your day. I mean, I hate to say pop up because he's always there, but we're human. You know, we do a lot of things. We go to work, we take care of family, we participate in other activities, and they're not like all spiritual, you know. We live. We live our lives. But God should pop up throughout your day. I pray about a lot of things, even if it's a quick prayer. Lord, thank you for, you know, getting us from point A to point B. Uh, thank you for this program that we're about to have, da da da, da. Uh, Thank you for the meal we're about to receive, da, da da God should pop up throughout your day. Oh, thank you for my children not being crippled. You know, I complain about them. Oh, my gosh, if they would just sit down and be quiet sometimes. But then I say, they could have been born and not been able to do those things. So thank you, God, for their laughter and their playing and for them getting on my nerves. It's okay because it could have been a different story. Everybody's children are not able to do that. So we have to be grateful for what God has blessed us with, right? He wants us to be, he wants to be our everything at all times. He wants us to have confidence in him, build our relationship with him in that confidence. Um, Psalm chapter four, David said, <clears throat> hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness, you have relieved me in my distress. David went through a lot. He had people chasing him, wanting him dead because they were jealous of him and a lot of other reasons, right? Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long, O oh you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But you know that the Lord has set apart for himself who is, un who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in season, more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will lie both, I will, I'm sorry, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. So David is talking about, you know, everybody's worried about all these things. All they're concerned about is growth in their pockets and growth in their fields. But I'm so thankful, Lord, that you give me peace when I go to sleep. In the midst of all the things that I'm experiencing, I can still go to bed and feel like God got me. God has me, right? I'm not worried about that. You kept me safe all this time, and I know that you're going to continue to keep me safe. That was David. He was like, I know what's going on out there, but it's, right now it's me and you, and I'm safe in relationship with you, and if I die, I'm going to die in you, right? David wasn't worried. He had God confidence because he knew how strong his relationship was with, with God. David didn't just pop up on the scene and ask God about all these things and not have previously built up his relationship with God. I'm not saying you can't go ask God for something today if you hadn't talked to him in a while. Not saying you can't do that, but you'll have more confidence if you have already been meditating with God. You've already been having conversations. But he knows your heart. You know his heart even more when you spend time with him. You know, in general, how God is going to react. I know even when I worry, I already know in the back of my mind, I just hadn't let it come forward. I know that God is going to take care of that because I know I can't because I spend time with God, right? None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We sin. 
we fall short. We all have to repent daily. But I know that God is there. And I know when I go to sleep, even though, you know, sometimes my husband has to work third shift, I have to have the peace knowing that God is my protector when my husband can't be there to be, you know, the physical protector. God is my protector. Even when he is there, God has protected all of us, right? So God is my protector, and I go to sleep in peace. So we must consider if we will continue to have false satisfaction in where we stand right now with God, right? If that's you. Nobody wants to go to church, and a lot of people do go to church, and they get what, what you call a release. It's like when you go jogging or you take a swim, and you feel really good afterwards. Your adrenaline's moving, and you just feel refreshed, right? A lot of times, that's what happens at church. That's a great thing, but if that's the release you're getting, and it's not an internal, it's just like an outwardly, ooh, we shouted today, we screamed, and we ran around the building, and da 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 but you go back and you still have a missing spot in your heart, then you did all that physical activity for nothing, right? Where was the relationship? Where was the love? What did you learn in all that? Was it just physical activity or were you aware that God was moving in the place, right? Now, that's great stuff. Shouting, moving in spirit, I love it, right? But it shouldn't be a false thing. Don't do it because it's a visual thing. Don't do it because, ooh, they shout, I'm shout too. You know, oh, they hollering, I guess it's time for everybody to holler. No. And, and, you know, there's there's a difference. We all know the difference. God knows the difference, right? God knows the difference. Romans 8, 5, 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But for those who live in the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. All right, so we need to live according to the spirit not just the things that feel good on the outside. And then Philippians 4 says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. That's for me, right? Shamika, stop worrying so much. I tell myself that all the time. That's like a thorn in my flesh, right? Some things, there's a thing that all of us do that's like, Lord, why can't I stop doing this? I need to be better at this. I'm not saying I'm as bad, I'm as, bad as I used to be, right? I come quicker back to, okay, God is going to take care of this. But it still happens, right? I still worry sometimes, right? But it says, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. God knows that we're going to worry sometime, right? It tells us, let your petitions and praises shape those worries into prayers. So you're going to worry, but you need to come back to where you're supposed to be. Let God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ's peace displaces worry at the center of your life. So that is the end of my message formally. But uh, Pastor Anthony also talked about us having an anthem. And this anthem is like, what song resonates with you when you think about a certain topic? And me, I'm kind of, you know, eclectic when it comes to music. I like all kinds of music. I have different songs for different seasons. But um, I try not to attach songs to thing, anything that's deeply an emotional, uh, emotionally deep thing because I don't want to ruin music, right? Because sometimes you attach music to certain situations and it ruins it. So anytime you hear that, it's like, oh, I don't want to hear that. Oh, that song messed me up. Oh, I want to hear that. So I don't do that with music. But 
I do listen to music when I'm in the mood and I want to feel better. I want to change the way I feel. And I'm in a fortunate position to have a husband who's a producer, so I have a whole library of songs that y'all have probably never heard before. And one that I play all the time um, when I want to lift my spirits, it makes me think about God and the ocean. That's what it does for me. So the track that I'm going to play for you takes me to a place of peace. God in the ocean is what I think about when I hear this. And my husband wrote it. So thank you and enjoy. 